Hey, my BMX nerd friends. Last week I said that I have some exciting news. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> Welcome to Canode Knows, brought to you by Dig BMX. Sheesh. On this week's episode, we got Zach Kramis. Zach is a BMX rider and filmer from California, and uh, he's currently the team manager and in-house videographer for Full Factory, which is Odyssey and Sunday. And uh, I love Kramis. I've known him for over 12 years now, and he was one of the first people that I met in the industry, and we bonded pretty well because, you know, our last names start with K. No, it's because we ride bikes and film and have fun doing it. I uh, I love Kramis. Zach, thanks for coming on. And the rest of you all, if you're watching this on Diggs YouTube, smash the like button, hit that bell, and uh, leave a comment for who you would want to see on this show in the future. Hope you enjoy. And uh, yeah, without further ado, here's Zach Kramis. Now we on the record, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, I better be careful what I say here. Hi, Zach Kramis. What's up, Bobby? How Do you remember, doing? I, my memory is shit. Like, I can't remember much of my 20s. Do you remember how we first met? I believe you came to Long Beach and stayed at the OSS house. I the want to internship. Yes. Yeah. I think that's when. Yeah. Came out with Eric Ballman and maybe Joey Mata. Yeah, Joey came through. Yep. And then what was were you living with them at that house? That so that house or that like a was it a house or an apartment? It was a large apartment. It was like the whole top story of yeah. an apartment building. That's cool. I remember Adam twenty two lived there. Catfish was in the back. Gabe Brooks would come up, come over every morning at like 7.30 a.m., just jacked and ready to go. Yep. Uh, who else lived there? Rich, Rich Hirsch. Hirsch was yeah, there Rich Hirsch had like the other half, and he was like just hiding in the his, in his room. Like, I don't know what he was doing, he was, but he like having, getting to talk to him for the first time, like on the patio, smoking a cig together. Was, I don't even know if we were smoking cigs, but it was, I remember saying, because I felt like such a, like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a new kid on the block. Like I came out there and Chris Long was treating me like shit, like, cause it was an internship. And so Chris Long is just like, go get the bags, Canode, like just, you know, being a bully. And I just, I was talking to Rich about that. And I was just like, I'm just playing my part here, man. You know? And he was like, I like that. You're just playing your part. You weren't living there though. You can you would come and ride. Is that what it was? Well, I lived nearby and then for, I did live there for a period of eight months and I'm failing to remember if I lived there at the time that you visited. I feel like I was living there at that time. It's entirely possible. Yeah. But it was a short stint, like less than a year at least. Nice. That's pretty yeah. wild. And that was 2011, I think. Yep. That's exactly when that was. What was your life like back then? You were like... Because we're the same age-ish, right? You're 32? Yep, 32. So Back you were, then, you were I was just going to young school. like me, 21? Yep, pretty much. I had just kind of met all those dudes. Like I had moved to Long Beach maybe three years prior to go to school here, studying film. And I kind of like was having a hard time finding a lot of BMXers to ride with. Long Beach was not what it is now. Yeah. Jeff Z is one of the first dudes. I sent him an email. It was like before... I had Instagram at least, but uh, he kind of helped introduce me to those, the OSS guys when they moved here and they kind of just took me in. I guess I was one of the local dudes that was like really was into street riding. I knew of spots and was just so 
just felt like so hyped to get involved in something that felt legitimate with other real core riders because it was just I was struggling to find dudes to ride with. Yeah. And that's so crazy to think back on. Just so wild. Uh, I remember you being in front of the lens and behind the lens when I was out there for and we bonded because we both had VXs and free coasters. Um, yes. Have you always been pegless? Like you were pegless back then too, right? Yeah, I've been pegless for a long time. I had peg two pegs and brakes when I first started riding, and I went pegless with brakes, probably in two thousand like six or two thousand six. And uh, I mean, I never even learned how to properly smith grind. I've definitely been pegless very early on. Nice. I think Kevin Porter was my inspiration to take the pegs off at first because I had the fly Pantera frame in purple like him with the brakes and then low tech mixtape came out and just seeing like Eddie Cleveland, Ian Schwartz, yes. the brakes came off and it pretty much been brakeless pegless ever since 2007 or something. That's beautiful. That's one of the questions I was going to ask is like, who's, who's your inspiration when you first got into it? And I think like Eddie Cleveland, Ian Schwartz, that's those come to mind when I think about your writing, anybody yeah. else? Definitely also Dan Cox and Bruce Chrisman were huge influences. Yes. They were some of the early free coaster dudes. And especially Bruce Chrisman just had this buttery style and these rollouts where it was a half cab, but then his front wheel was scraping the ground while his yeah. back wheel was in the air. And he was just doing weird shit like fakie tire grab on flat ground. Yep. Things that were very relatable, but you weren't seeing anyone else do it. Yeah. So it was so easy to just grasp onto that and be like, I have a free coaster and I can tire grab a dirt jump. So I'm yeah. going to try to fakie hop tire grab, you know? Did you get them? I did some, but I never like <laughs> brought it into my repertoire. Yeah. Per se. And it's like he did a Bruce Christman did a half cab down a big set. I think my coder 360 this set at the end of a line. You know what I'm talking about? Detroit Avenue. And then at the end of that line, like he he talks yep. to the or he sings to the camera and then he goes and threes this big set. But Chrisman either, I don't yeah. know if I'm mixing up sets, but he either fakey hopped it or half cabbed it. But his half cabs are so different looking. Like he's like bar, bars turning and just kind of a, it's a unique style. He made it look so cool and easy. That it's was true. also- He picked up both his tires at the same time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. He also fakey hopped maybe one of the biggest sets. It was like a 15 or 16 stair. You could find it if you just search Bruce Chrisman fakey hop. I remember, yeah. And it's yeah. just so tucked and so floated. I showed Speedy G, who's like 20. He had never seen it, and it blew his mind. And it was like 15-year-old clip, you know? Yeah. It was, was pretty nuts. The Like, the evolution of the free coaster, we, you and I were kind of part of that, you know? Like, we weren't the first ones, but we were definitely on the train before a lot of people. That was, it was like a cheat code to get, you know, differentiated back then. Yes. It's kind of crazy to think about. It's weird how back then everyone was on a cassette and then free coaster made your riding look different. So and now the opposite. Like, and now being on a cassette makes you look different. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it weird. Circle for sure. Um, so let's talk about what you've been up to lately, what you've been working on. I, the, I'm happy that you guys released the Brett Silva video. That shit slapped. What else, what else has been going on? Uh, before that, we went to Woodward East. There's a little edit that's on the internet now. Went out there with Jake, Elstrand, and Julian just for a week. So that was fun. Dope. I got to watch that. I haven't seen that yet. It's cool. It was uh, 
we got enough for a video. It was going there. You're kind of like social media is part of the focus. Mm-hmm. At least part of that partnership with Woodward is definitely to get clips posted on Instagram. But uh, it was nice. We got enough for a little edit at the end of the trip as well. That's dope. Other That's... than that. So like, how does a trip like that come up? Like who who's behind it? Like who's flying? Who's paying for the travel and all that? Is it, you know, you guys just doing it on your own or it's obviously like company partnership type thing or what is it? It's um, Woodward definitely reached out, at least this year, it seems like Woodward kind of ramped up their marketing efforts and they were reaching out to brands with basically a marketing deal where we send out a certain amount of product to, to give out with the kids. And they were hoping we would sign on for like three years and go to each location. So West and East yeah. with each brand, Odyssey and Sunday. But long story short, we paid to fly out there. You know, they got us a shuttle from the airport and obviously the, all the food there is free, but yeah, it's definitely like we see a lot of value in going there and just hanging out with kids and yep. some cool kids that week. And I feel like just broing down and showing support to kids goes a really long way, Yeah, especially in this internet era where things are less personal sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like so. the in-person stuff is so valuable now. I, I like thinking about Woodward and like, I remember before I had ever been to one, it was just this grand, like, you know, thing. And I thought it was like a big, you know, strict business and, you know, there's corporation, it's a bureaucracy or whatever, but it's really not. It's like a low key kind of DIY vibe, like that, they're, they're, like you're saying with the marketing efforts and, you know, I, I, I know gut stains where Tristan works, has been working there every summer for a long time. And Justin Benthian and just like, it's, it's all just homies. And then I don't know about the whole gymnastics side of it, but you know, the BMX skate, everybody that I met there, it was all super pretty. It's like so laid back, barely any rules, you know? Yeah. Everyone <laughs> there is like there cause they love BMX yeah. and want to be there. It's pretty cool. I did it a bar is. spin into a foam pit there. I wanted to ride the rail into the foam, but I didn't. Oh, yeah. I remember the rail into the foam. I didn't touch that either. That's scary. You can get hurt, you know? Yes. Maybe worse than on a real rail. Um, Let's talk about that Brett Silva video. How long did that take? That was filmed almost over, over the course of like close to two years, but it was really four trips, two trips to California, one to Austin and one to Albuquerque sick and then he got one extra clip with julian to help fill it out while he was in austin and then we actually got our last clip the day before the vans waffle cup because he flew out for that contest and we had a little extra time and nice how things go you start editing the video and then certain clips you decide or he decides he's not doesn't want to use them and then yeah with the pacing of the song you kind of feel like we could use a couple more things to tighten this up right and yeah, it all came together, kind of. The goal was to get it dropped before going to Dawn of the Streets. So it all came together in time. That's perfect. And then he wins Dawn of the Streets. What do you know? You know, yeah. dude, Brett Silva's on a mission. It's fucking yeah. awesome. He's on it. So that video is mind blowing. I, I don't know. What's what's it like filming him? I feel like he's so dialed that he does most of his shit first tee. Am I, am I wrong? He does a lot of it pretty quickly. I mean, he does do technical stuff too, like the long ice to T-bog and then the 180 switch bar off the curb. Like some things can take a little bit longer, but it's not 
quite the same as filming someone like Jacob Cable, where they're trying something that's like should be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the other hand, Brett definitely does a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, he jumps it and then he does it. <laughs> like that's, that's it. Yeah. Amazing toboggans. I don't, he's he's making the toboggan. I mean, I don't think the toboggan was ever not cool, but he's he's making them very cool again, which is dope. He's like grabbing it and then pushing it up, and then he's yeah. also he slam dunks the ground a lot when he lands. He'll yeah. push his bike to make himself land harder. Like he's just trying to feel <laughs> everything that's going on. Dude's a beast. What's he's your favorite? Of... What's your favorite clip from that video? Fuck, like. Uh... Maybe like the T-Bog into the street. I was hyped on with the extra tuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard. I'm not having like a clip that's coming to me as my favorite. But that, I was just hyped on that in the way that I was able to line it up with the music. Like yep. that moment in the video, I was pretty stoked on. Sick. He had some other plans for that rail hop, but that thing's beastly. I believe it. What? What about like on your end, which clip are you most proud of? Cause like filming is an art. So like which clip out of all, do any of them stick out? Like I filmed the shit out of that, you know, like. Uh, honestly, I'm not having one of those moments. I think sometimes when I'm on a filming trip, it's. Kind of having a kind of blank in here a little bit, but you know, <laughs> you're, like, doing, you're talking like Elon Musk right now. You're just pausing. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I feel like maybe just filming with Brett too is like things he's doing are kind of high risk, and you don't want to spend too much time on the setup for the clip. And it's kind of like yep. you go with your gut, and you know, like this angle is going to be prime, and you film it, and yeah, you don't necessarily have like 40 tries to dial in your filming. Yeah. So a lot of clips I wished I filmed better, honestly. That's how that's the story of the game. Every single video, dude. I'm like, oh man. Even like I'm I don't we how long have we been filming? Fifteen years, you know, and I'm still, you know, on a Sunday I get out and then I just cut somebody's head off on a clip that, that I was like, This is unacceptable. <laughs> I've been doing this for too long to cut somebody's head off, you know? Dude, I keep chopping Scott Marceau's head off. Granted he is much taller than anyone I filmed, but it's like <laughs> I don't know been struggling me and him have been filming a little split video and nice definitely a couple head chops in there Sorry, what's his spot. what's his thing called to get bald is it old man bald BM spot BMX. Bald spot BMX. are you balding i don't know i think i balded and i want to say <laughs> we're done you know we the hairline has matured and it's not going any further than this it's beautiful man <laughs> looking good how do you feel on the bike lately are you still like i was watching before we hopped on i was watch, i watched your finer things part a couple of your clips from uh, another G Sport edit, and I I really love your riding. How you how you feeling on the bike lately? Thanks, dude. I've been feeling pretty decent. It's kind of an on and off thing, where I'll have periods of time where I kind of have more free time to get out and ride, and other times I need to kind of dial in my schedule. I think because some days I might have a day off in between filming days or something, and. I think I just put a lot of my physical and mental energy into filming and editing and yeah, you know, sometimes you need rest days and jumping around a bunch is like not, it's kind of the opposite of resting. Yeah, for real. But I was hyped. I got two clips on this New York trip that I was pretty stoked on. 
Sick. Yeah, Kramus in New York. That's a good fit. Cellar doors. Did you use a cellar door? Yes. Oh, you, you I'm know. so hyped on the cellar door clip I got. Sick. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. That's and then cool. I've recently, maybe a year ago now, filmed one of the better things I've done on my bike, I would say, which will probably be like one of my best clips in this video Scott and I are working on. Nice. Can but, you, uh, you want to give a sneak peek? <laughs> or not show me the clip, but tell me what it what it is or no? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> a little bit of a conceptual, like you don't see it that often. Okay, cool. It involves a rail hop and a and a one eighty. I'll say that much. All right, interesting. Yeah. I was but to your question. I've been feeling pretty good lately, but yeah, it kind of comes in waves. Yeah, it's hard for me because you. I'm either in full blown filmer mode or rider mode like it's hard for me to go out with the boys and be like okay like it's usually because i'm filming everybody so let's go here maybe we can get this blah 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 but then if i want to get a clip it takes me a long time and i have to go out with somebody just like kind of solo and be like okay here's what i want to try and do be patient <laughs> i'm washed up but we're gonna get this done you know it's hard for me to ride in front of a bunch of people too i get embarrassed you know because I, I don't know i don't know why but just in my own head type shit just like knowing what you can do and then feeling like you're not performing or some shit. Right. Yeah. I and can relate. Just life in general kind of gets in the way. Yes. I can relate to both of those things. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. I think yeah, I work, I kind of work on a similar mindset where when I'm out filming and I'm with Odyssey or Sunday dudes, it's like, this is my role right now is to focus on their riding. Right. Make sure we get covered clips with them. If there's a certain spot that's going to work for them that's where we should be going because you know this company is paying me to film these people for their marketing materials and yeah that's my duty and i get in my head if i'm taking a long time just because i feel like is this the best use of the company's time right now right yeah and so i kind of do need my own day to ride where i'm focused on my riding and also when i'm pedaling around if I don't have my bag, camera bag with me, and I'm just riding that day, my brain will be focused on spots and how I can ride them. Yeah. Whereas other days with the camera, I'll be focusing on spots and trying to think of like how other people could ride them. Right. Yeah. You're in coach mode. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, I need to be just focused on myself to ride my bike. Yeah. But it doesn't work the best if I'm trying to film the team dudes. So that, I mean, let's talk about what is your current role? And what are your job responsibilities and how long have you been there? Well, I've been at Full Factory now about four years and my official title is in-house videographer. And now I'm officially the team manager as well for Odyssey and Sunday. Dope. Good and for you. So, thanks, dude. When did that become official? That kicked in maybe two months ago hey. or more, very recently. Cool. Yeah. Have so you... What kind of TM moves have you made in the last two months? Well, we got Dennis Anderson on, but that was in the works for a little while. And before Sheesh. I was officially the team manager, it was kind of like the duties were split up between Nuno, who was marketing manager, and myself. Yeah. So I was still helping to plan some trips and schedule, like buy some plane tickets and right. book Airbnbs and stuff like that. And I would help make suggestions about the team things like that but now that it's like officially me it's i think now that the team knows that i there's an official team manager there's i'm the dude to hit up with most requests or questions so 
definitely a lot more communication going on and yeah, just planning of trips. And it just kind of takes time hitting dudes up about their schedules and yeah. getting every logistics. Getting yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coordinating. What a, so on the video side, is there, you know, what, it, what's the plan? Do you guys have like a social media strategy and, you know, like, like how does, how does looking at it from the angle of, you know, I'm Odyssey and Sunday, what is the best use of an in-house videographer? Well, right now we're definitely having a balance amongst product promo type videos and like short turnaround commercials. Yep. And then also the longer form stuff that goes on YouTube, like the Brett part yep. to where I have a lot of stuff in the works. Gary Young has a video that's going to be coming out soon. Sick. Julian has a video that's completely filmed aside from an ender. So that hopefully will come out soon. Sick. And uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit backed up where we went to Richmond, Virginia two months ago, I think. And I'm going to start editing that video this week. Just like a trip video? Yeah. Dope. We went up there for Rumble in Richmond and filmed a little trip video as well. Sick. That's where I was born. So, really? Yeah. Interesting fact. I was born in Richmond, Virginia. And then moved Crazy. to Arizona when I was 11, so it doesn't doesn't really count. Nice. Um, I was born in Ohio, but moved to California at three. At three? Yeah. Nice. What's your really. like family like? You got mom, mom and pop together and living out yep. here in LB? No, mom and dad, they're together. I grew up in the high desert, which Apple Valley, Victorville, it's kind of on the way to Las Vegas. Okay. And uh, maybe two years after I moved to Long Beach to start going to school, my parents actually moved to the East Coast. Oh, no shit. They're in Connecticut. They've been there for 10 years or so. Why? What's in Connecticut? Why would you leave California? Well, my dad got a really good job offer. Basically, like they hunted him out. He works with airplanes. Oh, he does like test flight stuff, testing engines and whatnot. Big brain stuff. Kind of pretty is that, much. Is that why you that, that that's why you're big brained? I guess. Yeah. Genetics. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you're a smart guy. I think like you mentioned that you went to film school. Like, do you think going to film school is worth it? It depends on what you want to do, but I don't regret going. I am glad I went to a Cal State, so I have much less debt than I would have had I gone to, you know, a UC or something. Right. And I think it's not crucial, but also I definitely learned a lot while I was there that I feel like still helps me with things while I'm editing, even things like editing interviews. I'll just remember little things they said about putting a six frame fade in between two audio clips in an interview. Yes. I'm just little things that I picked up that I feel like have helped me become a better editor and yeah. filmmaker. If you want to put it in those terms. Yeah. You're quite professional at making videos and yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I like, cause like I, I didn't go to school for film, but I, you know, I've watched enough YouTube videos to, you know, feel like I've some film student, but like watching movies and like, <laughs> I bet you're the same way, like for, if you're watching a movie with a girl or your girlfriend or whatever, it's hard not to say like, oh, look at the lighting on this. The composition is fantastic, you know? Like, just on the plane, I took a photo yeah. of like a title sequence because I was like, this looks cool. <laughs> nice. And yep. I can't turn it off where I'm just like things that catch my eye that yeah. I want. It's inspiration for, you know, future stuff. Great. So uh, on the filming, I mean, we're both filmer writers and I feel like you've been, how did you start filming? What was your first camera? 
first camera was a Canon. I think I might have it over here. It was a little Canon camera that wasn't even three CCD. It had kind of like the toggle zoom switch and stuff. Yeah, and so like a, a little mini DV. Yeah, it was. It's, it wasn't tiny. It was pretty much perfect to start with because it did have some manual settings that kind of helped me start adjusting white balance at least. Right. And maybe shutter speed. But uh, I shortly after got a VX1000 and I feel like that's when it like I got really serious about things. Yeah. But I wanted a camera when I was like seven because I used to skate and watch skate videos when I was a baby. No but shit. I was too young, like my parents would not get me a camera at that age. Yeah. Because I was just too irresponsible. And then by the time I got one, it was like my to backtrack a little bit, I moved across town in eighth grade. And then the new friends I made in my new city all were like core BMX kids. Nice. Quarter pipe and dirt jumps in his backyard, but they would also ride street. So they like brought me in and I pretty quickly got a bike because like I said, I used to skate and I used to BMX when I was a little kid too. And it just felt pretty perfect. That's dope. There was a weird period where I had multiple friends and some of them skated and some of them BMX and I had to almost decide like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Which and one multiple. do I practice? Cause it takes so much. Like, what do you think is harder to get to a, you know, pro not, not necessarily like professional, but get to a, you know, good, good level of talent. Is it harder to learn skating or is it harder to learn BMX? I think BMX, honestly. Why? I think skating, you can learn all of the fundamentals on flat ground, like in a driveway. True. Whereas with a BMX, like you got to go somewhere and you got to kind of like send it and get fucked up a little bit, <laughs> trying yeah. some stuff. That's true. So, and then falling is much harder on a bike than like bailing, kicking out of a, a skate skateboard, you know? I think learning to bunny hop on a bike is probably easier than dialing in an ollie. But I think getting to where you're really proficient is probably a little bit harder on a bike i would say yeah i can relate like i well actually i can't relate because you were able to skate did so you could ollie and shit and i i remember wanting to like my neighborhood friends were skating all the time and i was like man that's so cool let me try and then i just fell on my ass i think i just gave up you know almost immediately and then i was like i need something to hold my hands on and i had a little razor scooter and then eventually I got a mountain bike and then uh, my friends showed me what's good. Cleon, he showed me some BMX videos and I was like, okay, BMX is cool. Let's do this instead. And that's crazy. I think that's like, I thought I was thinking about that last night and uh, just all between all of these podcasts and talking to people, we all share the same exact story. You know, like you get a, you get a BMX bike at somewhere in your teens or younger and then you the thrill of learning a trick and it just escalates from there and the more you see and all that uh i remember you hanging out with one kid in particular but i forget his name when we first met who was your close homie from the desert that you guys did like videos together do you know who i'm talking about yeah jake miris yeah he was on stranger grassroots with me and we were like yes. still good friends we were the best of friends, like all through high school. And we, I hang out with him. Like we try to get together every month or two. Nice. But he was like the homie that was the most dedicated. And he had like the last part in the scene videos that I made when I was in high school. Sick. He kind of had that style of like big threes downstairs sets and 
large yeah. gaps. And then when the stranger grassroots thing came along, like we both kind of got the little hookup deal together. So we thought like that work. That I was, I remember almost... the stranger grass grassroots thing. That was cool, but I don't know how it worked. It was rich stranger put out a thing that was like, submit your footage to become, or like to get, to basically get it reviewed to where you could potentially become part of this grassroots team, which is, you get 50% off of product. That's interesting. And at the time I had just released one of those scene videos that I'd mentioned. So it was like, couldn't have been better timing. And I just sent him the video of all of us. Yeah. And it was pretty much like me and then my homie Jake that he was stoked on. And so it was cool. Me and Jake felt like we were on stranger together. I mean, we were on like a little flow program, but yeah, but still and then... any recognition for things you did exactly like like giddy with excitement you know yeah that's so that was your first sponsor and then i think i don't think you switched companies i was on gt and then i ended up talking to rich and he was like why don't you and bauman just come ride for stranger and i was was like yes okay cool (laughs) and were you already on the team or like do you remember this like i remember being on stranger with you and going doing at least one trip or two Remind me about our stranger days, dude. Well, I think when you and Ballman first came to Long Beach, you guys were on GT at that time. Yeah. I believe at least Ballman was because I hadn't even really heard of him. I was for sure because I got Ballman on as well. I brought him on and then, yeah, he came out and we worked. I remember now like we've I filmed a GT part and then just a mixed video for the come up. Yeah, I forgot about that GT part where I started editing it for you and I forget there was some issue I had. I was going to edit that GT edit for you because I filmed some of the clips. Yeah. Then at the end of the day, I think I was taking too long and then I think you had more free time and slapped it up or something. But I can't remember, man. I can't remember where I was when I like, did I edit it in that apartment or I know I do recall like vaguely us sitting on the couch together looking at the footage and shit. Man, that's the best, dude. Like the five line through the fountain and yeah yeah you were on the bike filming that that's i was thinking about that earlier and when i knew that you were going to come on i was like man that i think it was kramas who filmed that it was and then shortly after you got on stranger i remember there was a trip to phoenix and yeah. i came out and i stayed at your place one night and then we stayed with zuka yeah okay so yeah did we do shrooms in zuka's backyard i don't know if i was there for that <laughs> maybe you did <laughs> Not to say I wouldn't have, but maybe me and Charlie Crumlish and uh, why am I blank? Craig, Craig Casera. That was that's a bonding experience, man. Just hanging out, and then I remember it was like slightly raining and whatever. That was a good trip. There's no way I was there because by the time we got there, Craig had to fly home. Did he get hurt, or maybe he just had a shorter trip? If if I could remember, I would I would tell you. I can't remember. <laughs> it's crazy that time, yeah that was like my first bmx trip filming for people versus things yeah just felt sick doing something for a brand just to have a brand like get behind you and be like yo we're hyped on what you're doing on your bike and here's some gas money to go to arizona it was yeah really sick it's special and not everybody gets that you know yeah there's a lot of kids out there that are like i just need like just look at me you know and times are different now because back when this was happening like the bmx media consumption was like videos on 
would get uploaded to Vimeo and then posted on the come up and or vital BMX. And that was kind of it. Like Instagram was barely a thing. There was no videos on Instagram. And, you know, like, how did we get recognized? You know, like, and can comparing back then to now, like you're just drowning in the amount of content that's on social media every single day. Like, how do you stand out? You know, what would you say? So you're a team manager. Like, what do you look for if you were going to bring somebody on the team? Well, I think longevity is a huge thing where I think you put out one part and that's, that's your starting point as a rider where I don't think you can drop a part and then get all these dudes knocking on your door. I think, you got to show you're not a flash in the pan and like you're dedicated to finding spots and filming clips and yeah, progressing with your riding and having new ideas, at least as far as street riding goes. That's huge. I remember yeah. I treated getting sponsored like a finish line instead of a starting line. That's kind of stupid in that regard, but filming, I ended up leaning into filming anyway. So that's cool. But uh... I think that happens with a lot of people where it's a goal, you know, so it's like you want to reach this level but then once you reach that, it's like, that's when the job really does start. Yeah. That's when you're getting your paycheck to now help promote this brand. Yeah. Which is wild. And then the quote, I think I've said it before, but he who stops getting better ceases to be good. You know, like if you stop progressing, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be very good for much longer, you know? Yeah. It's weird. I mean, style matters a lot, you know, how you do things. Yeah. I kind of dislike seeing things pulled shittily just because it's like a new trick. Like yeah. I want to see things that are appealing to the eyes, Yeah, which it can be appealing to your brain because it's a combo that's never been performed, but like I want it to be aesthetically. And pleasing. smooth, you know? Yes. Yes. But not always smooth. Cause like, I, I mean, no, no shade, but like Mickey Fleck, I don't think of him as smooth. Like I think of him, it's like a weird, like not it's like beautiful sketchiness you know yeah. like it's smooth I mean, but it's yeah. like eccentric kind of yeah just like wild i don't know that's reminds me of jerry duncan a little bit just yeah. a very unique style i would call him smooth but maybe not your textbook yeah. like buttery yeah like chase D. Buttery D. in his own right yeah chase the heart is butter and then everybody else <laughs> it's not butter <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um shit, man. Question. i feel like i missed something there this is yeah my brain's all over the place i'm looking down so we talked about uh i mean let's go back to the one of the things i wrote down here is like making the switch from vx to hd as a filmer and that transition when did that happen for you for me that happened when i started working at vital bmx okay basically i owned i had a vx and a little slr that i would use for my secondary angles and i was doing everything standard definition still and, you know, start working at Vital BMX and HD is the industry standard. So they immediately bought an HMC 150. Nice. And I think they bought me a fisheye. And I was using my same SLR. Cool. But pretty much, yeah. As soon as I got that job, I was thrown into the world of HD, which was so confusing. Yeah. Shout out to the Boz and Chadwick. They both helped me a lot with just understanding progressive versus interlaced right yeah because i was familiar with but you know you have the hmc which only does it does like 1280 or 720p 60 frames per second or 1080 30 right 
and same with the HMC and just kind of figuring out like what formats to shoot in, how to set your sequence up, yep, all that kind of stuff. So tell me, just I'm out of curiosity, what's the difference between progressive and interlaced? Interlaced is basically the fr the frame is broken up into all of these horizontal lines, and interlaced it scans all of the even lines first and then all of the odd lines so it scans the frame twice i think it's like the sensor in the camera is scanning things in two ways and progressive is just a single scan ah that's it's interesting. cleaner and that's yeah. where you get that weird like horizontal line stuff sometimes yeah because you have to de-interlace your footage exactly. uh with whenever you're filming that, that I remember like learning practically how to do that shit, but I never really understood like the science behind it. Like you just explained. That's, That's one of those film school nerd things where it's like, I understand how to talk about it, but I can't understand the like computer science of why it truly looks better. But yeah. I guess scanning one time makes sense that it's going to be cleaner than a one, two. Yeah, for real. That's so interesting. And just like, it's magical that we have cameras in general, you know, we take that shit for granted, but like you're capturing so many pictures, you know, it's so like, tech, I don't know. I'm, I'm like chippy, man. Technology's crazy, dude. Like <laughs> 30 photos. Yeah. It's nice. wild. So what's uh like when, I guess back then 720, 60 would have been the priority. Cause then you can slow-mo clips. Yeah. What I is the... What is the VX film in native? Sorry for cutting you off. What is it? It's like 30? Frames? Yeah. Yeah, 30p. And then I could still ramp slow-mo stuff down to like 50% and it looks smooth. That doesn't, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, I think some of them, I've heard that it's 60, but then technically standard def is 30 to where I don't need to get to the bottom of this because maybe it is shooting 60 frames or it's just the pictures are all shitty where it blends together better because <laughs> yeah. it's not so crisp. Yeah. Like those because... ghosted, you know, After Effects makes its own ghosted frames in between. Yes. I think maybe the like poorer quality helps those fake frames look more real or consistent. Interesting. Did you ever, speaking of slow-mo, did you ever use Twixter? I did not. What's that? Twixter was a plugin for After Effects that like generated or like filled in the blanks whenever like so you could go you know to five percent speed and have it look smooth because it's using the information from each frame to like generate the frames that it might be what you're talking about where it like generates the its own it fills it in for you it i think buster used it in like happy medium three or something like that to you know switch up not just doing the traditional ramp ramp slow-mo but anyway, yeah. After Effects <laughs> does that to an extent, but the Twixter probably does it better. Yeah. If some slow-mos look fake or like too smooth, and it's probably the Twixter thing. Yeah. It creates a weird little like bubble around the subject. Anyway. Huh. Um, <laughs> Another so, thing with going HD was like going from four by three to 16.9. Yes. That changes everything. It's weird. I don't think it's ideal where yeah. a biker is a triangle. Yeah, so that fits into a square or four by three a little bit better. A lot better. So that was a huge thing to adjust to. But now trying to film four three is strange where I'm not used to like panning left and right as much with the fish. Yeah, for real. At the fish eye is where you feel the difference the most. I, that was a learning curve for me going HD and just like 
yeah, you don't you don't move left to right as much, but you have to go up and down to compensate and keep them in the frame. Exactly. Yeah. What are some tips for people out there for filming fisheye? For filming fisheye, um, I would say think about how you're composing your shot and where the peak action is of the trick that you're trying to accent. So like if someone's grinding a rail and then they're going to gap, I would say think about you want to show the gap. So using a fisheye is all about using your frame. So if someone's going to gap, they should gap from the left side of the frame to the right side of the frame so that you see the gap the whole time. Yes. So I think a prime example is if someone's doing a rail to gap, I would try to keep them a little more in the left side of the frame for the whole grind and then let them gap over to the right side of the frame as they leave the rail. And that just kind of like helps show the gap, I guess. Yep. If they're centered the whole time, you don't see them moving from the rail over the gap. Right. That's the biggest mistake I think rookies make with fish eyes is just keeping the subject in the center the whole time. Like, dude, you see some second angles of, you know, some amateur video and the guy with the fish eye is just like pointing and he's the trick is going down like a stair set or whatever. And he's pointing and then just following the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, no, stop it. Yes. You got to use the whole frame. And even with long lens, I try to think about the top to bottom frame size where someone's doing a drop. I try to not tilt down too much so that they land near the bottom of the frame. Yep. Because if they're in the middle of the frame, then you tilt down and they land near the top of the frame. They yeah, went up in the frame. Yes. You want that's, them to drop in the frame. That's interesting. I never thought about it for long lens composition. Maybe yep. like subconsciously, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember learning from you how to like, so I nose manualed the Long Beach three stair stage. Thank you for your patience that took like four hours <laughs> but the way you filmed it and the way you explained it to me was so cool like you you were tight on me as i'm approaching it and then as you see me doing the nose manual you zoom out so you can see the whole thing and then you came back in tight once i landed it and i was like that's so cool dude and that's i remember that clip too is that some film school type shit or just you had already been filming bmx for a while I've been filming BMX for a while and I oh. nerded out. Like I would just watch BMX DVDs at my house all day until I went riding. Cause I grew up in the high desert. So it'd be so hot in the summer. Yeah. My summer's off. I would just be watching videos until the evening and like messing with my editing of things I had filmed. Right. But I would pause and frame by frame. You know, no shit. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Because it was, there was an interview with Joe Cox where he said, basically what I said is compose your shots and think about your framing. And then, you know, left, right came out and just the look of that video, the way things were filmed, it was just this, everything looked amazing. Like everything was done such justice. For real. So I started pausing and frame by framing and realizing, oh, he's on the very left side of the frame. He's in the middle as he gets on the rail. And now he's on the very left side of the frame and you see the whole rail like the top of the rails in the right corner and then he's at the bottom left corner. Yeah. And things like that. I would then, when I was filming my homies, try to compose my shots that way. That's awesome. And, and then I think that's from there, really, it's just practice. Yes. Yeah. Dude, and how many like, hours do you think you've spent behind the camera? Fuck. Like, you know, there's that 10,000 hour rule. I guarantee you, you're, you're <sighs> like, you're pushing a hundred thousand hours at this point. <laughs> I can't even like fathom 
I would have to sit here and like write some shit down, you know, like per yeah. month. And then for 10 years that I've been doing it professionally. Yeah. But I mean, easily thousands of hours. Yeah. Tens, tens of thousands of hours. Ten, tens of thousands for sure. I did the math once on myself and I was like, I've definitely done it over 10,000 hours. And like, that's what the, you know, the cliche is like, you, you're not good at something until you've done it for 10,000 hours. And you and I, you and I have both been filming for way more than that, which is pretty cool. Yes. It's crazy. I trip out sometimes just how much I'm looking at a screen. Yeah. Kind of anti-phone. I try to not be on my phone as much as possible because my job, I'll be editing, looking at my computer, answering emails. And when I'm filming, I'm looking at a screen. Everything's this far away from yeah. me. Yeah. I feel like my vision's a little bit messed up. I might have like, because you're, you're looking through the, the lens like that. Do you use uh, some blue light blockers when you're yep. editing? I do have them back there for the long sessions. I think I have those very similar ones to those. Yeah. They're pretty good. I, they I use do it, help. Especially if you're editing at night and you still want to go to bed, you know? Absolutely. That blue um, light shining in your eyes, it's not good for you. Yeah. Not too much. Um, what was your first job? Like, what was it? What was the first money you made from BMX? I believe either, either filming or writing. The very first money I ever made was from Robbie because I helped Dak film two clips for Talk is Cheap, Sick. which I believe is the And Robbie first paid you for that. He did. He gave me 50 bucks. And I was Hell so yeah. Yes. I think I would have turned it down now, but back then I was poor. Like I was a college kid. 50 Barely bucks I, was a lot back then. Dude, I remember trying to go rod and I'd have to ask people for five bucks because I literally had $3 in my account. Yeah like for gas money you know yeah. like it's crazy thinking how poor i was yeah but not that i'm fucking big baller now but uh, <laughs> i'm not stressing five bucks at least so that's nice. right so but, uh, yeah, that was the first that's pretty I exciting and then what, what what about like uh I don't, I don't know a job were you selling videos to vital during that period of time and all that i remember maybe you did were you working with tunny at espn and sending him videos during that period too I was working with Ride, some of those Monday edits that they used to do. Yep. I submitted. It would be for the Monday edits, I would just film whoever I could around Long Beach and just make a little mix video. Yep. Sell those to Ride. They paid like a hundred bucks for them, which wasn't a ton, but I Still. needed the money. I was just hyped to be getting the experience, meeting people and filming with them. Yeah. And uh, then I started filming stuff for Crooked World as well, which I think you actually yes. put me in touch with Cosman. Yeah. And did some videos. A lot of, we filmed like a whole series of skate park edits at the MLK Park in Long Beach. Dope. Called the I Have a Dream edits. And that turned into like a come up Crooked World collab kind of thing. Dude, speaking, I mean, Cosman, just real quick, he's so good at, you know, making money. <laughs> True. Like he's straight up business guy. We actually recorded a podcast, but his internet was so bad that we couldn't put it out. So I got to get him on again someday. Uh, but yeah, I wonder if Crooked World's still around and what happens after after that for you? Like, what was the next thing? Because that's like project based. That's you film something and then you edit it and and then you're like, okay, here ride. And then I don't know. They send you a hundred bucks. But what 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 happens after that for you? 
I think the first major project that really helped me kind of like establish myself was Garrett Reeves's Sunday part Ooh, where yeah. before that part, I was just making mixed videos, filming random clips. I would sell stuff to BMX Union as well, just whoever I could get my videos out to. Yep. And me and Garrett kind of just related on a level of maybe like Cuddy street spot searching and pegless riding and he also lived at the OSS house. That's who the missing person is. He he lived there when I was there too. Or he, a lot of people lived there. I know he moved out and then Tony Nyer moved in. So I think I hung out with him before I lived there. And then he moved out, Nyer moved in. Also, Mastroni lived there. Yeah. But uh, Garrett definitely gave me my first opportunity where he wanted to work with me for his next Sunday video. That's awesome. Because I think he was filming with Chris Long. He did like a low-tech video with Chris Long, but Chris was a full. <clears throat> time filmer for volume and demolition yeah so it's hard to be doing outside projects when you have a full plate as i'm sure chris did and maybe garrett was just hyped on the vx stuff but it's funny in that house there was mastroni there was chris long miles rogish was there a lot it was like a house of filmers yeah but i got that chance to basically produce that video for sunday with garrett and i put just everything i had into that video it's a legendary Fine. video People still talk about it, which yeah. I'm so it's one of my favorite videos I've ever made. I think I love it. As an editor, I maybe progressed a lot in that editing progress process with even just the quick transition cuts of like film burns that I downloaded online that I would be matching up the colors of the film burn with like the colors that were in the clip. Oh no shit. That's cool. putting a lot of thought in, yeah. yeah. And then I feel like that kind of proved that I could make cool videos. Yeah. And from there, I think Garrett and I started working on his G sport video and let's, pretty much let's linger on, let's linger on this, uh, Garrett Sunday video for a second. Like, can, sure. I mean, how, how clear is your memory of it? Do you remember? Cause Garrett's writing is the type of shit where it's like, holy shit, you know, like you're going to do what? And then yes. do you, what was, do you remember a scary moment or like a, you know, victorious moment? What's, what's your favorite, you know? part of that Garrett Reeves video and just Garrett Reeves in general. I think one of my favorite parts were I think I learned a lot from Garrett as far as spot searching and just conceptualizing how to use something that you see and how to ride your bike and get a clip on it where he's someone that really liked to milk his immediate surroundings. Like sure we went to Pasadena, we did some missions locally but I think the majority of that part was filmed in Long Beach because he would just lurk around and just find stuff that was right under our noses and film the craziest shit on it. Yeah, the shit that like you wouldn't think is a spot, but Garrett's riding turns it into a spot. Like I'm yeah, you would there'd be like a wall with a 90 degree angle and he'd want to start on top and then drop down into a pocket wall ride. So crazy, dude. Yeah, just weird shit like that. And then as for victory moment was definitely him getting his ender, which was that big acid drop into like the steep skinny bank, pretty much a caveman or ninja drop. Yeah. That shit was just gnarly. Like I was definitely scared filming that, but yeah, he did it first tee and he landed really low on the bank. It was, couldn't Heavy. have dropped further. I it love it. I miss Garrett, Garrett's writing. I don't know like what, he's up to lately. Do you know? Do you stay in touch with him, Garrett Reeves? Not super consistently. I haven't chatted with him in over a year or more. 
but from what I see, he definitely spends a lot of time in Colorado and also Hawaii. And I know he's gotten into a lot of holistic healing type of stuff and more, uh, I guess, spiritualism and things like that. He was always a thinker. Yeah. Even when we were like 21, he was thinking about wanting to own a house because he's wasting his money paying rent. Yeah. Or at that age, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> 21, <laughs> yeah. you know? But I mean, for real though, he definitely puts a lot of thought into stuff. But so I need Garrett, to reach out to him. Garrett Reeves is a genius. I hope he's doing well. And that's, he's just living his best life. If he's in Colorado and Hawaii, no fuck with that. So then, all right, what was working at Vital like? Is that like a full-time gig or just, you know, here and there type stuff? Like, were, were you making a living back then? I was. That was a full-time gig. I had cheap rent, which if I didn't, it would have maybe been more of a struggle to make ends meet. But What was cheap rent? I was living in a house owned by my girlfriend's brother and his fiance, and we were renting a room there for probably like 600 bucks. I was paying like 300 or 400 a Damn. month. Damn. So, in California? Salary, in California. In yeah. Long Beach, you're living for 300 bucks a month. That's fucking fire. <laughs> it was amazing. In a nice house with like a backyard. I was like, oh, I've made it. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just getting hooked up. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. But, uh, How long were you at Vital? And who got you that job? Like, was it through Kyle Carlson? Yes and no. Basically, I had just graduated from film school here in Long Beach and I was just sending my resume out to like post-production facilities because my plan was to be an assistant editor and work my way up to becoming an editor full-time and it just felt like a the clear-cut route that I was headed for strangely it felt like working in the BMX industry was impossible like I didn't know how to get a job all the jobs were taken it felt like yeah there were so few of them Whereas coming from film school, it just felt like, oh, here's these websites that post all these jobs. Right. Send my resume in and I'll get one of these jobs eventually. And at that same time, Vital posted they needed a full-time web management person to work for them who could also maybe make some little videos here or there. And basically, I met like all the requirements and every single plus I think they were looking for someone more for website management, but I came in and I could do that and produce videos. Sick. And I just applied for that job. I had never met Kyle before. Nice. And yeah, it turned out I was like the best candidate that applied, I, I guess. And Amazing. What does that mean, web management? It was uh, posting videos on their website. Vital also had a blog. I'm kind of like, for lack of a better word, it was like message boards. Yeah. So I would kind of help facilitate some of that and post some topics to get kids talking. And basically every day I would get, you know, five posts up on their main page with the description, the thumbnail, nice. link to their Facebook. And then I would go out and film a bike check with whoever. And I would film like those dance comp vital videos. Yeah. Because they'd have an ad deal with dance comp to produce edits with their team guys. So I would film yeah. with Morgan Long, Tony Nyer, local dudes. I got to film one with Chase D, which was within Hell my yeah. year working there. I got sent to Jersey, stayed with D Hart at his house and nice. filmed a video with him. It was like my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's amazing. One of my favorite riders. I'm just hanging out with him, seeing all his old spots. Yeah. All the spots he filmed at. And you've the seen in videos for years. Yeah. Yes. It was surreal. 
What was it like hanging out with Chase Chase D for a week? So sick. He's so chill. Yeah, he is. So accommodating. And I feel like me and him have a similar outlook, obviously, because he influenced my outlook. And so anything he's hyped on, I'm hyped on. And yeah, it was pretty mellow. Just kept it pretty local. And he showed me a lot of just the local hometown spots. That's dope. Yeah. I think he's another one like Garrett that's really milked his own surroundings. Yeah. To where a lot of his old parts, you would see some of the same spots and they were all kind of his hometown area stuff. Yeah, that it makes me think of there's some I don't know if they're iconic, but there's clips of Chase Dehart that stick out in my mind where it's like it's at it seems like it's a school and he's doing stuff like around the corner of a school and there's like blue tables that he's doing shit on and just like not so much a spot, but he's doing stuff that's like, you know, making it a spot, you know, using your surround your immediate surroundings to get a line going. Can that's you visualize what he took me to? You know, so you know, exactly on the brick wall, and then he comes and he does the manual 180 on the bench. Yes, yes. Around. He took yes. me there. That's awesome. Like, this is the fucking spot. What? <laughs> this is it. This is the place. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. Hell yeah. And that then, was... and they bought you a camera. That's pretty rad, man. I didn't well, know. Well, they that. owned the camera, but yes, they paid for a camera for me to use. Oh. So otherwise, I didn't have money to, sure, I could have taken out a loan and bought a camera, but. Yeah, it worked no. out where they were like, you're a full-time employee of ours. We can purchase this camera for you to use. That's great. Yeah. How long were you there? I would say a year and some change. When, and I, when is this? 2010? 2000, 2013, I would say. 13 to 14. No, 2012 to 13. Because I just reached my 10 year mark of like working professionally in the industry. Nice. Which would mean I started there in 2012. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy 10 years of working in the VMX industries. Kramus. That's fucking awesome. Thanks man. Vital's a good job. So what happened after that? Well, obviously me and Z were always homies since way before that job, you know, we had been filming the doorstep video together and, I already felt kind of close to ride BMX. I had done an internship there where I helped post on their website. It I was on the that. Yeah. They were like my friends, you know? Yeah. And I think after being at Vital for a year, I kind of proved like that I could do these things at the least. And I think it was, I was at Simple Session and Fudger asked me if I'd ever be interested in working for Ride. And I immediately said, yeah. Because also Vital, you know, was aimed at a younger audience and not every rider was the most excited about like going in for a part for a Vital part. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like the dance comp parts were one thing because they had their sponsor dance comp making them produce those. But as soon as I started working at Ride, me and Brian Kaczynski made a video in the high desert, like at all the spots I grew up riding. And I think he even said, like, he just was a little less excited about making it happen for Vital. But then once I was at Ride, it was like green light. Sick. Yeah, so Ride, was Ride was holding it down. I think that's, you know, credit to Fudger and Z for keeping it, you know, core, you know. For sure. Um, we went to Jersey good. and made this little animal video shortly after I started there. That's great. It was cool. There was a lot going on there. I mean, amongst those things. There was like the Monster Ramp series. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember the Monster Ramp series, yeah. That and then definitely working at a media outlet, there's a lot of contest coverage that goes on. Yeah. 
but yeah, That's between that stuff and the website management, it was pretty full load, full schedule. What do you think about filming uh, contests? I'm sure you, you've done it, obviously, right? Yeah. As of, I enjoyed being there. And now that I'm at Full Factory, it's enjoyable. But when I worked at Ride, I think in the first couple years with Vital and Ride, I enjoyed it because it was just so exciting to be at this event where all of the very best riders are doing all this crazy shit and it's just all happening and you're the one that's been entrusted to document all of it it was maybe like pleasing my ego in some way that i've yeah. been entrusted with this important job you're just like little old me i'm out here <laughs> but over time dude it's exhausting it yeah, it's sure really is dude because you're filming all day in the sun and then you got to edit that video that night immediately you get it out as yeah. soon as possible and then you yeah. got to do it the next day I don't think people realize how hard you have to work to cover an event and do it properly. Cause like, if you don't get it out first, then, you know, everybody's watching the other person's coverage, you know, you yeah, have to like, be, off. yeah, you gotta be quick. That's what's your like most memorable contest that you filmed. I think that simple session. I want to say that's the only one that I filmed and it was just one of the first like huge contests that I filmed. And even just the whole experience of being there and there's all the nightlife stuff going on. And, and it you're just like, sorry, real. guys, I got to stay in and edit. <laughs> Back then, I was doing a better job of slamming shit out and like still making it out. Nice. I would have to go to the club much later than everyone else. But yeah, I was just like running on no sleep, just doing the most I could. And Living. After a while, that definitely wore on me. And I think maybe I just stopped caring about going out as much. Yeah. You get a girlfriend and, you know, you're just like some contests can be more work than others. If there's multiple events, like I might go to a feast and there's a flatland practice and a park practice. So then you have two That's videos a lot. to go through. Yeah. Man, so just the just... tediousness of going through all the footage too, at the end of the day. It's so, hold on, this is a crazy side note, I guess, but you mentioned earlier you were living for 300 bucks because your girlfriend's something or other. Is this the same girlfriend? No, that was an ex-girlfriend. Okay, cool. But you do have a girlfriend now. I do have a girlfriend now, yes. We have oh. our own apartment together with a couple cats. Excellent. All domesticated now, yeah. We can get, I, I'm jumping all over, let's get into that later. But the, sure. so from, let's see, we, we're, we're working at, where are we now? Ride we BMX. were at Vital and then we made the switch. Yeah, we're working at Ride for a period of time there. Okay, and then what? And then basically Full Factory kind of put out this job posting that they were looking for an in-house videographer. Did Ride BMX go under before you left or like this is like timing? When did Ride BMX quit? After I left, maybe okay. like six months later or something. That's, that's, that's why they quit. They're like, we don't have Kramis anymore. It's over. There's no way. The there's no way we can timing. continue. <laughs> no, there's no way that's why it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's 100% why it happened. The timing was insane for sure. Oh. But basically the whole time I worked at Ride, you know, I went to film school and my dream to go back, my dream job was to work for a BMX company and keep filming BMX videos because that was all I wanted to do with my time. Yeah. I was in college and I just kind of felt like well, I don't know how to do this, but I need a job to start paying off this student debt I've racked up. Right. So I, I kept, I was applying to the post 
production facilities, like I was mentioning. But um, I heard that like editing at a post-production facility in LA is like $500 a day type job that yeah. I was like, that sounds pretty cool. When I was like in between jobs a couple of years ago, I started talking to somebody out there. I almost moved out to LA to do an editing job at one point. Yeah. Anyway, so Red Full Factory, they put yes. out an ad and then you, what, send an email and get the job? Some, not exactly, but what I was getting at is I always wanted to just focus on filmmaking and making the best videos I could. And when I was at Ride and Vital, it was half of my job was to make cool videos. And the other half was all of this website management yeah, and social media management. And you have 15 brands that advertise at Ride and you're the point of contact and you're just getting bombarded all day with post this on Instagram, post that. And your brain is like, you can't focus in on the video. Right. Same. So yeah, when I saw that full factory in-house videographer position, I was like, this is my dream is to just be a filmer for a brand. Like I want to go on trips, make DVDs, everything that was cool about BMX that brought me into it is DVDs and full length parts. Right. And like, that was all I ever cared about before working in the media realm. And so I couldn't help but apply for it, which at first Nuno marketing manager reached out and asked me if I knew of anyone that might qualify for that position. And I forget, I might've thrown a name or two out, but you know, after kind of thinking about it, it was like, I want this job, but it was a really hard thing to do. Cause I'd worked at ride for four years and it becomes part of your identity sometimes where right. like I'm the ride dude, like everyone hits me up for yeah. everything I do there. And it was definitely strange, but I'm glad I made the switch because like I was just over all the website management stuff and it's not really what I wanted to be doing hundred percent of the time. Right. Good for you. And I then mean- yeah, the ride shit happened and it was like, I'm extra glad I made the switch because that would have been so stressful. This is the most recent one, obviously, because you're still there. Is this four years ago? Is that what I, is that what you yeah. said earlier? Yep. Four years now. It's flown by. That's wild. I think the pandemic two year condensed and felt like a year or something. We all lost, lost track of time there. That's true. The world is, has gone mad. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, time is a construct. and it's funny, my brain, yes, time is a construct and we are all just vibrations and energy. What is the meaning of life? Uh, I keep thinking that you live in Austin because you, the, because of the connection with Odyssey and them, that's where their headquarters is. No. Well, we have the, the main offices in California, in Norwalk, and that's where the warehouse is. So that's where a lot with of, with all the, the ramps in the backyard and stuff. Yes. Never been there, but cool. So okay. some time. Yeah. And then Austin, there is the design office and there are some salespeople that people there, but it's a much smaller operation. There's okay. five employees there, maybe seven max. What about rider wise? I think, yeah. Do, do you plan on moving to Austin? Why is this stuck in my head that I've asked you literally like seven times in the past year, do you live in Austin? <laughs> there was a period I really wanted to move to Austin. But no, I don't live there and I don't know if I'll be moving there anytime soon, if ever. But half of the team is there and the other half is kind of in spread throughout Southern California. Yeah, that's I I think location wise, California is where you got to be for this small BMX industry, you know? 
we can film year round at least. I mean, you can in Austin, but it's brutal. That's so hot. beautiful. Like, so my my boss right now, he has a house out in in uh, Santa Monica, uh-huh. Marina del Rey, and just being out there for a couple of days. And then I was like, this is so beautiful. You know, it's like you have to actually wear long sleeves at night type thing. And then coming back to Arizona, maybe you know, three weeks ago, I was legitimately depressed for two days. I was like, this is unbearable. I can't live in this heat anymore. You know, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, you get used to it. Yeah, you do get used to it and you just stay inside. I feel bad for my dog. Like, you know, middle of the day, there's no chance that I take him out and pick him up to carry him across the concrete and then put him in the grass so that he can take a shit. <laughs> Damn, not burning his little paws. Yeah. And you can see, like, it's very obvious. He's like, you know, frantically moving around to stop his paws from being burnt. Inhabit- inhospitable conditions out there. Inhospitable, unbearable, man. But the winter is dope. And when it's like Arizona season for BMX companies, like I love it because every team usually makes a trip during the winter to come out to Arizona because we got the best weather in, you know, January, February. Yeah, it's I do love coming out there. It's there's so many cool spots and a sick scene. And a yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool scene. It's changed a lot in the past, you know, however many 12 years, like Drew being gone makes me sad, but the scene is sick here right now. Like burning up. We got Zach Beerley. He's like moving. He's making moves. Nick Bonnell. Nick Bonnell. Um, yep. Chandler and Brain. They're on it right now. They both got out of prison and just like channeling all their crazy energy into BMX, which is pretty cool. Good. And then like there's pockets of it that I don't even know that much about, but you know some park riders in Goodyear that are crazy good and uh, yeah. I said Nick Bonnell, you know, OGs, Clay and Robbie. Yep. Joey, Joey Mata still lives here, you know, legendary Joe. What's he doing these days? He's a, he's like doing gardening. So he's got his own company. He sh- pulled up like last week because Westcott was in town and he pulled up in a big box truck. Like so that he, he invested in a box truck so that he can move his tropical fruit trees everywhere. You know, like he's, like Joey. he is a green thumb. And that's that's his whole his whole thing. He's busting his ass. He's he just got married, which is crazy. And yeah, they don't. I think I don't even. I can't tell if he was joking, but I, I, he's married, but they don't live together. I'm pretty huh. confident. So <laughs> like, hell yeah, Joe. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, living, <laughs> living in the same town, just not living together. I don't. Joey's a mystical man. Who knows? We'll have to dig deeper on that one. Yeah, for real. And I'm, you know, blanking on, I can't name every writer in Arizona right now, but Troy Blair, love him. I don't, who's, I'm trying to think, who rides the most? It's definitely Nick Bonnell is out there getting it the most. Shout out to Alex Lochner and uh, Everyday Crew, Kyle, um, Biker Dude, shout out to Biker Dude, just for fun. I don't know. We got a good good little scene out here. But the summertime is really fucked. I, like, you can, we get out every Sunday not every Sunday. That's it. I I bail a lot of times on Sundays because I'm just depressed in the summer. I don't want to go out in the heat. But you have to get out at like 5.30, 6 a.m. to have a good two-hour session of like tolerable weather. And then it's just unbearable after that. There was, yeah, there was a period of time where I was, you know, I didn't have like a 
wake up early type life. So I was staying out late, working on light works. Like we're just lighting up spots and literally staying out until the sun comes up. Cause that's you know, the only way you can do it in the summer in Arizona, yeah. but life is not that way anymore. So if I'm going to do a nighttime mission, it's gotta be, I gotta be done at nine 30 so I can come home and go to bed, you know? <laughs> getting old i guess yeah what's your what's your like schedule like are you what time do you go to bed what time do you wake up i usually go to sleep around 10 most nights like 11 would feel like a little bit later yeah (laughs) we are 32 years old around yeah i usually get up around 7 20 7 30 because i if i'm working at home i pretty much work like starting at nine and i do a day till 5 30 on oh, my shit. Yeah. just like editing. editing editing and just emails definitely just a lot of uh, communication about things happening in the company and let's talk about dawn of the streets you were there right yeah i was there man it was epic it was my first dawn of the streets and it was so much fun paint it's... me a picture what what was it like for those of us i mean we can all see the video but you know tell me something tell me something about it I think the sheer size of the crowd and how many riders are really there, like I would say close to a thousand riders are pedaling through Manhattan, just taking over traffic, just running through every red and the cars cannot do anything. Cops can't do anything. They had to like, they started helping us block streets off maybe for safety because we're so sick. Yeah. And then as far as the riding this year, there was a, the spots were a little bit spread out. So we were like mobbing like three miles from one spot to the next. That's that's like fun though, especially going through the city, man. That's incredible. Such an experience, like unforgettable for sure. And then the spots were huge. Like everything was gnarly. And I feel bad. There were some kids that got, there were three ambulances called throughout the day. Oh, wow. I saw the one, but I didn't know that there was three. (laughs) Holy shit. And I think at least two of the kids were part of the same crew. Like they knew each other and they left with smiles on their face. They were stoked, but we were almost (laughs) chatting a little bit of like, maybe there could be a bouncer. That's kind of like, you know, you see a kid jump down the set, super loose. Maybe you got to bounce them out. Like, yo, like this is a little above. You're going to hurt yourself, kid. (laughs) Not to be rude, but like. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah. 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 Because being in front of that many people, there's definitely going to be a kid who's never jumped down a 20 stair that's going to try, you know, it's just send it. I want some attention. There was one kid jumping down the set and straight from the bunny off, he's crooked in the air. Oh, no. (laughs) And then the 20, a narrow set. And it's like. Just you, watching him come down, just praying like that. You gonna die. die? So, were you guys there for like a work trip? It was yes. We stayed a few extra days. We we're filmed for a little edit, kind of like a New York. We stayed in Jersey City actually, so kind of an East Coast trip video for Sunday. Dope. It was officially a Sunday trip, yeah. And then also Aaron Ross was out there. We got him on the mic. I don't know if you saw the Swamp Fest coverage we did with Aaron interviewing everyone, but yeah, we're doing one of those for Dawn of the Streets as well. So it should be. Fuck yes. Aaron Ross interviewing people at Dawn of the Streets. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be good. It's, that's not out yet, right? No. Cool. And I think it's just a cool perspective and you really get a sense of like everyone's personalities and what it's kind of like to be there and chat with everyone because yes. you're going to see the coverage. You're going to see the highlights. Right. And like everybody little- sees the crazy tricks, but yeah i love that man like that's like to provide a little something extra there 
that's like a old school props thing. You're bringing personality back to BMX, which is like kind of missing because right now it's all just like, you know, crazy trick posted on Instagram and then, you know, not much of, you know, talking or whatever. Um, dude, that's awesome. I'm so excited. And on top of that, that's not a video that you have to like rush and put out immediately right after the event, like other yeah. highlight videos are. That's great, man. Looking forward to that. What else can I look forward to coming from Kramus? We got a, did I mention Gary Young has a video that yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to be Oh, year. wait, before we move on from the Aaron Ross thing, what is your setup for that microphone? Do you have like a, what, what kind of mic and what did you use to film? What's your gear check right now? We Still, I filmed the interviews with an A7S III, which I just got. Sick. Prior to if, this, yeah. I had the original A7 one, yep, which worked out, but I, we just stepped our game up, kind of particularly for product promos with everything being vertical now. Yep. 4K is very useful. Yep. Like, yes, you can turn your camera sideways, but sometimes you kind of want room to crop and yeah. make it like, compose perfectly. And the A7S three just can rip. Like, you can do, I think, 4K 120, maybe. I yeah, have the camera. Yeah. Pretty confident you can do that. It's... That's what I'm shooting all the commercials in. And the focus tracking as well, where it's so totally fast for you. It's yeah. so good for product stuff, especially. Yeah, I love that camera. Yeah, but I filmed the interviews with that and I bought a road mic and we got the flag on it with the Odyssey logos. Okay. It's official. I Let's see it. It's over here. One second. Everybody have a gander at Kramus's room. We got Christian Bale. Is that American Psycho? And then a VX over there. VXs? Is that some sort of workout work workout contraption you got there? Where? Next next year. What's that contraption to the left? Or yeah, like over by your closet. Oh yeah, that's a little bicycle. That's nice. my girlfriend uses that more than I do. Working on your fitness. Yes, sir. But yeah, I got a road mic. It's not one of the best ones, but I, I think the Oh, flag, that's plenty good. Yeah, that makes it. The flag oh. makes it. That's great. I want to get one of those. How much was that mic? I think around a hundred bucks, maybe less. Wow, I gotta get one just for yeah. like the because like that is a whole vibe holding a microphone like that, like man on the street type content like that. Exactly. And there's a flag that's this cheap plastic thing that comes up like this. Yeah. But this one was like 20 more dollars, but it's so worth having. Yes. This. It just feels so much more official. And that's dope. And then I just use my little clip on lab mic so yep. that at least there's not a wire from the camera to the microphone. So wait, clip on lab mic. So you. So I have like the receiver. Oh, so yeah, that's just a prop that mic you're using. No, I plug into this, but then instead of plugging this into the camera, I have like a wireless transmitter and receiver oh, okay. so that the wire goes to his pocket. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. I thought you were like putting a lavalier microphone on him as well as the holding it. And I'm like, that's confusing. That's too much. Yeah, that'd be a lot. Although you could get like background audio with the lab mic maybe and then yeah. some shit. Um, where were we, man? I think we're Here. talking about what's coming up next. Yeah, what's what's? I think I mentioned the Richmond, Virginia video. Yeah, and then there's gonna be this video from our trip to Don of the Streets, 
Gary oh. Young has a video that's pretty much we're done filming. We can be it's time to start working on the video for sure. Sick. And those are kind of the three things that need to be edited ASAP. Cool. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, I'm still working on projects with Julian, Sealy, Elstran. There's also a lot of random footage I've been sitting on that could might be turning into some kind of Sunday mixtape, more so of the California people. Cool. And also Julian, he kind of films with people in Austin and he's sending me footage a lot of times. So oh. there might be kind of a mashup of Austin and California Sunday dudes. I love it. We got a lot to look forward to from Odyssey and Sunday. What kind of uh, music do you like? What have you been listening to lately? I have a pretty wide range of stuff I like to where I'll listen to some kind of mellow jazz. I like a lot of funk and soul, but I also like a lot of 90s rap and hip hop. Where I'll be listening from anything from like Astrid Gilberto to Nas. <laughs> cool. I don't know what the first one is, but. She's a Brazilian, like, samba jazz artist. <laughs> nice. I feel like you would recognize, you've probably heard some of her stuff. I'll send something over to you. Nice. Yeah, do that. Yeah, I think definitely more of, like, I've always, I think my mom has really contributed to my musical taste, but she was very much into, like, funk, disco, Cool. And my dad was into jazz, but I just remember listening to a lot of Michael Jackson growing up and uh, Sade fucking. Jazz is big brain music. It's funny because I hated it as a kid and when my dad would listen to it, but now I'm, I'm in. Same. It. I think when you're younger, you're like, what is this? It's too much. Get out of here. But there's something magical about it. Cleon's dad is a jazz guitarist and he's pretty rad. That's um, okay. I wrote down here. This is an idea. Are there any unspoken rules of BMX that are followed that you can think of? Like, yeah, that's just a random question I thought of. Like, it, on a trip or out filming, what are some unspoken rules if you can think I, of any? I think as a rider, it's like you want to respect other people's riding and their abilities, and I guess. The most obvious one that would come to my mind is like not one upping someone's clip in a session, at least on a filming trip. Like if someone does the hanger up the rail and work for worked for it and they're like hyped on that clip for themselves. Yeah, don't hanger one idiot. Don't <laughs> yeah. do that. Like yeah. just find an another rail to do it on because it yeah. cancels out their clip kind of stuff. That's true. That's good etiquette. Yeah. Otherwise. I don't know about rules, but there's definitely etiquette where I try to not like force people into trying stuff as a filmer. Yeah. I try to like be very respectful of someone's abilities and I'm just never trying to talk someone into doing something dangerous. For Maybe real. I just have that on my conscience if something happens, but yeah, you, they have to want to do it. You know, it's not you pressuring them. You know um, who I, I, I think Dustin Arp is a pressurer. He's like, come on, <laughs> pussy. Come on, pussy, you could do it. Yeah, I can't. The is... common dudes would be saying that to themselves a lot. And yeah. I'd be like, bro, if I was the rider and someone's calling me a pussy, I would like, I could not deal with that. Yeah, for real. Or at least, I don't know, maybe it would make me want to do it more, but I'm not trying to force that. I'm not trying I, to be on the other side of that. Back in the day when I was younger and didn't have like any perspective on like the dangers of it, 
I was, I was fresh. I, I, I would, you know, strongly encourage people. You can do this. This is dope. You should do it. And it's just something that like you could literally die on, you know, but fuck it. And as I'm getting older, I'm like, I'm not pressuring anybody to do anything. You have to want to do it. And I'm here for it. Yes. If anything, I'm like giving you an out, you know, I'm like, you don't have to do this. <laughs> I will always say that. Yeah. Like someone's stressing it, especially young riders. I, because they might feel pressure where it's like, I put it out there. There is no pressure. It's for you to do. Yeah. But with that said, I do think other people who I've worked with for a long amount of time, Brock comes to mind. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on his abilities. And sometimes I might make suggestions because right. I feel like I know you could do this. Yeah. But I think it's less along the lines of like, do this gnarly shit that's dangerous and might put you in harm's way but maybe more of like uh your skills could use your skills you could use to achieve this yeah trick. you know one of the first things that comes up when you google zach kramis is uh brock's pro part from six years ago nice. and it still is so good like it did not age at all like the shit brock did in that video is unreal it is timeless uh, just big gap big whips and it's beautiful and just tech and True. it's Brock's one of the best writers of all time for sure. I think so. So you've spent a lot of time with him. What's, yes. what's your favorite thing that you've seen him do in person? I'm sure you've seen a lot, but what was a, what's a Brock Rayford memory that you have? I think one of the most impressive things, maybe cause it's like an NBD <clears throat> is the backwards pegs to full cab over the rail. Mm -hmm. It was his last clip in his welcome to Sunday video. But he just did it so perfectly and it's kind of something like he's probably one of the few people that could pull that off and i was just hyped to see him take that trick to like the next level what video did he say it's in brock rayford what welcome to sunday it was a flat white rail is it that one in arizona out to me just conceptually because that's buck to do that and he did it perfectly I'll, I'll share my screen with you real quick. Hell yeah. Also, his Ender and Finer things stands out to me. Uh, that was... Okay, what was his Ender and Finer things? Let's see. It was the Hold crank on. arm... Crank arm gap bar. Okay, let's yes. go back a little bit more. Here we go. Bro, I forgot about that. That's it's nuts. I don't NBD and one. never will be done again. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, just hard cap. Ridiculous. Hard cab yeah. over itself is nuts, but adding the full cab, insane. He's then, yeah. a specimen, bro. Yes. It's cool seeing where his riding, kind of like the evolution of where his riding is going, where he has all this power and skill, and he's really dialing oh. in one of his eye for like what he's doing conceptually, of like how he's using spots and what was this like this day this crank arm bar were you there i was there i filmed this angle yeah and funny story i kind of broke my ankle before that it was like end of your day for the video and i went to try to get mine sadly it didn't work out <laughs> Rox did. but it was kind of stressful or at least like that setup is no joke and that shed is right where you land yeah like you have to cut left or right and uh he kind of just handled it like a boss i think he started did some pegs he might have crank armed it once or twice and i believe 
maybe he threw the bar once and like slipped a hand, but I think he might have like first throw caught Beautiful. it and pulled out. It was so you're sitting down there with a broken ankle holding the camera? <laughs> thinking back, I would have like went home and iced it. Like my yeah. ankle was fucked. <laughs> but it was I was in the Mastroni's van, you know, and it was yeah, like you're in it. I think him to turn around and drive me home either. Yeah. I don't think I could have afforded to like Uber myself home. So I was just You gotta push through it. Push Fuck through it. for the day. And I got to be there for the ender of the video and Brock's part, which was definitely special. Beautiful. Have you talked have you been in touch with Mastroni? Here and there. I was stoked to be able to be part of helping him out with some Sunday product. It kind of went full circle where he's the one that got me on volume after yeah. the stranger stuff happened and now i was able to get him hooked up with sunday stuff yeah it seems like he's gonna he's on a rebirth mode right now like he's out or at least on instagram it seems like it and he's i think there's a part did a part already come out yeah of, of the big part it's called industrial eyes it's yeah, all yeah, yeah, industrial yeah. spots it's yes. so good that's beautiful you worked on that for maybe three years he sent me a timeline like years before it came out talk about like a spot guy mastroni is legendary with his spots you know he's, an, he's a real artist i think real. mastroni and garrett reeves like really made me who i am with as far as spots go and just that's caring that's so much about the spot yeah. Even with my riding, like, yes, I want to learn tricks and do new tricks. But what gets me hyped about a clip is the spot and how it gets used. Yes. Almost to the extent of if someone else films something on a setup I found, it's like I'm less excited about filming on it. Yeah. Like for my clips, it's the trick and the spot of like that make the clip look like what it looks like. So how do you, do you have like a, a spot book? I know a lot of people have like, I don't know, in their a folder of photos on their iPhone with locations tagged on them. Some people have like a, uh, a poster on the wall with push pins in it. How do you track spots? I have a few different ways of doing it. I have an Instagram account that's private and it's a little more for my personal stuff I'm trying to ride. And okay. it's mostly Long Beach stuff, like Cuddy spot stuff. Let me, uh, let me get the is... let me get that Instagram after this, you know. For sure. <clears throat> Just kidding. So Go on. That, but for the riders, I use Apple Maps guides where you can drop pins and name them specific things. Cool. And that just helps me with anywhere that I am, I can look around and see what might be near it. So if I zoom out on my map, yeah. You see all the red dots. Oh yeah, look at all that. Oh, you got spots, dude. Yeah. It helps. And then obviously I have the places album. So if I take a photo of a spot, it'll kind of show where that is. Right. Yeah. That's what I've had it to like. I accidentally started. I didn't intentionally start doing that, but I'm at a spot. I take a picture and then like in the future I go and I like you can see the map of where all your photos are. And because I would legit I've been to a spot seven times and I still forget like where it is in Phoenix. And so I have to, you know, zoom out, look in and hopefully find it like i know it's in this area somewhere and i feel like i have touched you know that the barely beginning to know the spots of phoenix and i've been in in this world for 15 years it's kind of crazy because it's just it, it's infinite yeah. yeah i filmed at so many spots that i forget where they are <laughs> i'm like hitting yeah. up john mata all the time like where's this at again i know i've been there but um, i think that happened to me and i started just like all right 
I get obsessive about dropping pins sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be slipping. And it's also, I'll be watching skate videos and I'll see the street sign. And I'm just like, if I like the spot, I can't help but search. And if I see it, I drop the pin. And yes. Maybe one day we'll be over there and check it out. You know? Yeah. That's fire. But yeah. That's part of the job, dude. It's part of the whole, I mean, I slack on it, but it's part of like, you're a, pro you're a professional. I don't have to be a professional. I'm just amateur stuff now. As a filmer, you got to at least like try to be helpful and provide some spots. Yeah. It's also the rider's job too to kind of like have some ideas of what they might want to ride, in my yeah. opinion. I'm a big fan of like, the make a list. Like, for the rider to make a list? Yeah. Yes. That. So that we can, you know, check shit off. I don't, I don't know. There's two different vibes of filming. There's like going out with the boys and just pedaling around and then whatever happens, happens. But then there's also mission style where it's like, I'll, I'll come pick you up. Let's go here and try this. You know, like I, I kind of like the mission style a little bit more, especially now that I'm older and I can't, you know, or more not not necessarily older, but busier. So like I don't have time to go spend all day hanging out and, you know, just cruising around. I got to like, let's go get it done. You know, I got I got three hours to film. Let's make the most of it. I feel it. I like both for different reasons. I think sometimes it's crucial to plan the mission some clips you can't just stumble on it and get it done right but then there's something about the soul of just having a day with the dudes and you're yeah, gonna know, it's something and you're gonna be ready to do it yeah. and it's gonna be less stressful as well yeah and that's how a lot of like pro riders want to do it like Lou, lewis mills his uh lewis fiending video that's but Ben was telling me that was the entire video was all just let's go pedal around the city and see what happens like no no plans and like intentionally that was, I thought that was interesting they intentionally did it during like busy hours so that there's you know life in the background of each clip which is I thought was pretty cool that is really sick that's some real artist shit that's Lewis Mills input on that that's dope I mean he is an artist in all aspects for real as is um, all right what do we got here what clip are you most proud of that I've filmed of you writing most proud of besides the one that's coming out with the rail hop and the 180 that's definitely one of them another one would be i did a fakey wall ride down like a seven stair way back in the day it was in my like stranger grassroot video thing that's dope but at the time it was a trick i think i saw a little jeff do it jeff coxis yeah on a flat wall but then i did it down a stair set and it just felt like that's I was sick. contributing something to the culture by like taking a move and elevating it a little bit. Yeah. And I, a lot of people remembered that clip and would mention it to me and it just felt special. Like I wasn't just emulating something that's been done before. I mean, I was, but I was trying to step it up a little bit too. Yeah. That's fire. That's definitely one of them. I did a manual to tail whip in that thing as well, which I've never done one since. <laughs> nice. So that sticks out a little bit. Honestly, I think. I don't know about single clip, but my finer things part in general, I think is one of my favorite parts. Yeah, dude. I just watched that. Um, that my, one of my favorites in that is there's two red benches and you do, uh, like there was, there was one clip. All right. Three clips, the two red benches, the 180 fakey to where your tires are on both benches. That was dope. The fast plant to 180 nose bunk. And then a couple of clips before those clips there's a really quick clip but it's like 
foot plant, nose mail, nolly up, up something, just like real tech and just like in the middle of the part. And I was just like, that's one of my favorite clips of all time. That's fucking awesome. That's sick. I enjoyed it. That part is definitely felt like there were clips like that. Just ideas I had and everything kind of came together with my riding at that time. And filming with Mastroni is a blessing. Like, yeah. Filming with him was just so good where I didn't have to think at all about what the clip's going to look like. Yeah, he's got this. Yeah. Yeah, and I can just ride to my full effort, you know? Yep. So I'll get in my head and be thinking about, is the clip going to look right? And I'll be like hearing how far away they are. And I'm just like, it's not tight enough. And Right, yeah. And that'll mess me, a clip is what it looks like. Sometimes I think as a rider, if you're not a filmer, you're thinking about what you're doing, but not how it's going to look on camera. Yeah. But uh I kind of went on a tangent there maybe. No, that's that's interesting cuz like I I notice it um cuz if you're especially if you're doing the same thing over and over again or trying something and I'm skating with you, but then on one attempt like I'm skating but I'm a little bit further back, like they look back at me like I'm fucking up and it just yeah. throws off the whole throws off the whole vibe. Absolutely. All right. Uh before we wrap it up, just a couple couple hitters what's who was the first writer pro you met that you like geeked out on uh probably tony nyer i want to say or dave mcdermott i think dave mcdermott was one of the first dudes i cruised with i met him through jeff z how'd you meet jeff z I sent him an email. I found his email in a Ride BMX magazine because I knew he lived in Long Beach and he like wore animal shirts and shit. Yeah. Sent him an email like, yo, would be stoked if you're ever trying to like just cruise around in some alleyways and look for a spot. Like I had no one to ride with. Nice. And shout out to Z. He fucking hit me up like a couple days later, invited me to a session at a ditch that Sunday. And from there, it was like every Sunday he hit me up. He'd come pick me up. That's great. But he uh, introduced me to so many different riders. But Dave McDermott was one of the first dudes on that first session. And I just remember he did like a pole jam to wall ride and I was so hyped on it. Sick. Just because I wasn't used to being with riders doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just felt so legit. That and is then legit. And as well. So he introduced me to him shortly after. Those were, and then Aaron Bostrom. Those were like the three first pros I met out here. Hell yeah. They were dudes I had watched in videos. I knew who they were. Right. And even Tony being down to like film a clip with me was like a confidence boost of like this pro is like down for me to film his clip, you know? Yes. I was hyped on it. Hell yeah. Uh who's your favorite all time rider? All time favorite rider. Dude, it's hard to narrow it down to one person. Pick three. Chase DeHart is definitely up there. Ian Schwartz. And probably Simone. That's a solid top three. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, Simone so sick. And he's still doing like that 10% video that came out was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Like just every clip you've never seen that done before is the way his yep. brain works is so cool. He's also, he's one of those artists, you know? Absolutely. Uh, all right. So speaking of all time or just favorites, I mean, do you have a single favorite filmer or maybe a, name a couple that you love all time? 
I feel like it's always kind of shifting and changing around, but I think Rich Forn is like, comes to mind as just the best to ever do it as far as what I've seen. Yeah. Bringing a style in that's just different and like offering a kind of fresh perspective. That's just, it's so cinematic and he's clearly like doing his own thing. Again, artist, you know? Yeah. I mean, all those videos blow up in views, and I swear, like, other sports are watching them because he's not emulating something in skate or anywhere. He's, like, creating his own own thing. And I'm starting to see it, like, worldwide, people are copying Rich Forn's style, you know? I mean, you can see it with, like, the B-roll, like, the buildings. Yep. The B-roll shots, and then you'll start seeing the riding, and you're like, oh, this isn't rich because the riding isn't yes, filmed as well. exactly, yeah. It's funny, like, most people film riding really well, but maybe don't have as much B-roll or cinematic cuts, or everything looks amazing but the way the riding is filmed. Yeah, for real. Like, someone that brings all of that together is so sick. Also, Justin Benthian is one of my favorite dudes. He's solid, yeah. The F it all dvd was amazing like Beautifully all done. the b-roll quick cut stuff he did was great yep and then navaz navaz has been one of my favorites as well as joe cox that's I feel like yeah real- that's solid right there dude yeah. do you know joe Co- i mean well first of all let's address navaz go like bmx filmer like i've never met anybody more dedicated or geeked out on i hung out with him like you know maybe once on a trip or something and just like hearing the way he talked about cameras and the way he talked about the footage and he had already been doing it for you know 20 years and he's still that enthused about it it was incredible and then my other question is like i want to talk to joe cox like what the hell has joe cox been doing because they put out that video tomorrow we work and then poof gone you know they're like what are they to work dude (laughs) yeah they've been working what did you where's joe cox I think he, I got to meet Dan Cox, his brother. No shit. I got to ride with him one day around London. So jealous. With James Cox, unrelated, but another filmer. Yeah, Yeah, I know. We, me and Z went out to Battle of Hastings and then for one day stayed with James Cox and rode with them. And it was so sick. Amazing. What's Dan Cox like? He's a curator for a museum now. He's like so sophisticated and still rides here and there, but like... He's a cool ass dude. Super a curator cool. for for a museum. Dude's smart as fuck and has style. Clearly, like he yeah. knows what looks good. Man, tomorrow we work in voices. Like shaped my entire BMX life. Those two videos, man, I love them. Tomorrow we work for me really shaped a lot. And then I heard Joe Cox. I believe he's like buying and selling houses to some extent, or he's like re buying. From what I remember hearing, he's involved in the freelance, not freelance, the marketing. Real estate? Housing market, real estate. (laughs) Sorry, dude. He's like, sauce, sauce the boss. Pretty much. Dude, sauce hopped in. He was talking to me maybe two years ago, and he's like, hey, I'm just going to try and do real estate investing. And I was like, yeah, me too, but I really wasn't. And then he grinded for a couple months, and he got his first deal, and it's 35 grand for one deal. And it's just like, I should have... I should have been grinding with you, you know, but that's what I see in my future is real estate investing or at least like as part of life, because that's just passive income at a certain point. If you grind for a couple of years and get a couple of houses, then you don't have to worry about work. And then you can just make BMX videos all the time for fun if you want, you know, sounds very ideal for sure. Yeah, I think I've been considering that kind of passive income stuff, too. 
maybe yeah. not real estate, but there's things that can be done. Yeah, you can create like a LUT or you can create uh, presets or whatever, some some sort of digital product that is like evergreen and can sell and just set up the infrastructure for that. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and effort to do it, but probably worth it, especially. I don't know what like in BMX you could do or sell to BMX people or BMX filmers or anything. Like I've been thinking about that for, you know, eight years. I'm, I don't know. I don't think there's anything that I would want to do you know it seems keep that shit out of here you know it doesn't seem like the best industry to try to make passive income from <laughs> yeah for real i'm thinking about like trying to fucking buy an atm machine or go in on someone with like for a laundromat or just yeah things like that you know the atm hustle i know a couple of dudes out here that do that and make bank it's interesting yeah. all right so we talked about favorite all-time rider favorite all-time filmers your first rider pro you met last thing is are there any writers that I should know about that I don't know about? Probably. I don't know who you know about and don't know about, but. Put me on to a couple of them. Let me think about this. So I definitely pay attention, but I'm also very focused on our current riders. So I'm not always like have dudes on my mind that aren't as well known. But dudes that have kind of stuck out to me lately. You know, Josh Dove, right? Dovey. He's a mm. transition dude from Australia. He's like 19 or 20. And he's like reminiscent of an Aiken or someone with. I like the sound of that. He's just going higher than anyone and just looking so comfortable with everything that he's doing. Did you watch any of the Battle of the Brands videos this year? I just watched BSDs. How do you spell Dovey? D O V E Y. Josh Dove. I'm following yeah. him now. No, you, thank you. You just put me on. Hell yeah. For transition shredding, like that kid is unreal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. That's art. I love that type of writing because I can't relate to it at all. <laughs> like just going up in the air is so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> but that's so fun to watch. Like Corey Walsh and, you know, Mike Aiken, Chase Hawk, all that type of shit. I admire that so much. That, yeah. That feels like, you know, when you, somebody pictures BMX, like getting air is what BMX is, you know, but it's true. Not, I'm not saying that's all it is, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's where we start, right? Just yeah. off a curb cut and like feeling that weightlessness. Yeah. So who else? We got Dove. You know, Mikey Andrew, right? Milky. Milky. Yeah. He's been on one, dude. Yes. He's one of my new favorite dudes to watch. Yeah. His approach. And- He's just sick, like has a cool style and great ideas. Yes. And just very motivated. So I love Yeah, when I came out there recently, I said you were filming him on that rail and it, he battled for it. And that's the other piece is like he doesn't give up, you know. That was a battle for I don't know how long, an hour and a half he worked on that. Yeah. Did that end up in anything? Is that out? No. That we are filming for something for him. Cool. We're just, we've just been stacking with him in between everything else I have going on. Dope. So shout out Milky. Yes. Give me it's two more. But let me fucking look at who I've been following lately because this might be the best way to do this. All 
I do feel like as of lately, I don't have any like brand new dudes that are catching my eye that I just learned about. This is kind of part of your job being a TM. You got to be a talent scout. It is, absolutely is. Which we have some people we're like looking into hooking up or in the process of getting them some stuff. Ooh, tell me, tell me. We've got. Uh, dude, I'm blanking. The pressure's getting to me. I shouldn't definitely know his name. Oops. This is the part you might have to cut out of the interview. Uh, we're leaving it in. Raw dog. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the silence. Santi. La Verde Santiago from Barcelona. Santi. His Instagram is La Verde Santiago. Thank you. It's Put sick though. Like he just has such a cool style and you could tell he's having so much fun when he's riding and he's on kink already and talking to Jay. He's the man as far as. Oh yeah. Like I like him. him. That's sick. Yes. So we're in the process of sending some stuff over to him. That's awesome. Congrats Santi. Oh, yeah, he's someone like that. His riding caught my eye. Just his style of like how he does his switch whips and his feet come out and just like fucking snatch the pedals up. Yeah, that's dope. I definitely, I'm a huge Lewis Mills fan, but that's, he's one of the most popular. Never heard of him. I don't know. I think it's just crazy seeing him from the Common Crew DVD as just a homie clip. Yeah. And slowly becoming like one of the top dudes killing it. And I feel like I, I just could tell early on like this dude has something special yep him and boyd they just hold yeah, it boyd. down for the the australia i mean australia in general dude like who's the one that what did the biggest rail ever on the beach callan stibbards <clears throat> yeah that dude's nuts he is nutty there's something in the water down there in australia there absolutely is i just thought of one other have you heard of a uh, max uh what's his last name I'm not sure what his real name is, but he's from the East Coast. Mystic Maxington. His Instagram is Mystic47Max, but he's a dude I think is pretty underrated. He has like a very interesting style and is doing like some combinations of stuff I'm not seeing other people doing. Mystic what? It's Mystic47Max is his handle. His name is Max something. But he's uh, he's pretty Mystic low. Maxington. Yeah. I've seen this kid before. He's gotten but, reposted but like on RBMX. Yeah. He's been riding a while. Like I've followed him for years now. And I think he's pretty low key, but also really sick. That's dope. Shout out to Mystic Max, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, yeah, you you're the first person out of everybody that I've asked. Every you just hit a hundred percent of people that I've not following or I didn't hadn't heard of yet. You know, right. that's awesome. Boom, you win. You win the podcast. I, thank you. So right. I'm well, sure and... there's many more shredders <laughs> out there I should know of, but hey, I know of some. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier. It's just saturated. There's so many people. So we'll end with you know some words of advice to the general youth riding BMX. What? What would you say to somebody who's, you know, just getting into it? I would say have as much fun as you can. And don't, there's like times to take, 
things that could be taken seriously, but try not to be too serious either. But pay attention, I think. And like learn what you like and why you like it, if that's possible. At least as far as like, I think that's just going to make BMX cool in the future as far as having people that kind of like fall into certain realms or maybe take inspiration and then make something new out of it. Yeah. I think finding your own lane and trying to do something in your own way is very important because if you're just emulating things that have already happened, it's not as beneficial to the culture. True. Yeah. I think everyone just loves to see someone that's, bringing their own spice into something even if it's how you're doing a trick right it's just cool to see try to do your own thing i think that's beautiful some of the best advice i could give yeah but i think like when you're young you should try and learn all of the tricks and then as you're older like simone for example like simone when he was young just like was a you know, trick rat just could do all the tricks. And then as he gets older, he gets an eye for it and he's evolved into, you know, it's like a artist with a paintbrush. You know, you, you have this bag full of tricks, but you choose what you're doing on these spots and that's, you know, creating art. My advice is there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Stop screaming for attention, enjoy the process and, you know, have fun with your homies. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to make a tremendous living off of this BMX bmx world there's ain't ain't too much money in bmx you know you're right man that is also great advice yeah. it's like definitely the journey not the destination when it comes to bmx yeah. stuff and i think a lot of dudes like might have a group of their homies they're filming a video and it's just kind of like really enjoy what you have where like this is the sickest part of bmx is working on stuff with your friends being creative pushing yourself achieving goals yes like being a sponsored pro is also amazing and going on team trips is like a dream come true. Yep. But it's not that much different from being out with your homies and like putting in work together. Same exact thing, except maybe the company pays for gas, you know? Yeah. Like that is the foundation of it. So I would say like cherish those moments that you have working on stuff with your homies. That's beautiful. doesn't last forever. So, well, Kramus, this has been phenomenal, dude. This, we did two, two hours, 20 minutes. That's maybe, crazy, man. Maybe I a little bit less, a little bit more. Um, who who do you want to see on here next? Let's see. Let's see. Is it it could be anyone, right? Yeah. Is it mostly a lot of like industry people? It can be bike riders as well. Yeah, riders. Uh like uh, arbitrarily, I think for this last like push of doing this, I wanted it to be filmers. Um so I want to do Mastroni or at least ask him if he's down to do it. But I think it's just going to evolve into whoever, you know? Yeah. So anybody. Crony was a name that I thought of pretty quickly. I would also like to hear from, I guess, from my own perspective, like working for brands, I'd be interested to hear other marketing managers or people working more behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, me too. Dude, it would be cool to talk to Nuno. I've never really spoken to Nuno. Who else is a, who's another marketing manager for a different company? Let's think. I mean, Robbie would be. Robbie would be awesome to talk to, but like, I almost, I'm too scared to ask him. I feel yeah. (laughs) I don't know who runs their Instagram, but Colt Crew said good podcast on one of them. And I was like, oh my God. Nice. Could have been him or Beach, who knows? 
I'm trying to get uh, Burn Slow to talk to me on here. That'd be cool. Adam, Adam Rowe? Yeah. That would be really cool to hear from him. There's definitely going to be something Burn Slow on this wall coming up soon. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rich Hirsch. Yeah, dude. Someone that influenced Why haven't me I even thought about that? Age. Yeah. Like all the low tech stuff into the stranger stuff. Just yeah. The music he would use and. Dude, he, he shaped the generation of... with low tech Vancouver and low tech yes. mixtape and the mosh up... so freestyle, you know? Like, yep. shit. And then he edited Stay Fit. Like, he has really had his hand in a lot of videos yeah. that were in inspirational. He shaped the culture. I feel like he has just a probably an interesting perspective. It could be different from other people's. For real. All right, Kramus, get out of here. Well, good <laughs> talking, man. Thanks for the invite on the show. And uh, yeah, this is this felt more natural than any of any of them so far because I love you. I've known you forever, so this is great. Thank you for yeah, coming man. on and uh, adios, YouTube and Spotify and everywhere else. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Yes, sir.